Hey, and welcome to our 48th class on the Christian Basics, or for my Lutheran teenagers out there, Confirmation. Every week, we aim to bring you biblical content that will help you in your new or emerging walk with Christ. I'm Evan McClanahan. I'm the pastor at First Lutheran down in Houston, Texas. And this week, we are looking at the question of marriage. What is it? Why did God institute it? And I'm very happy to be joined by Pastor Michael Salamink. He's the executive director for Lutherans for Life. Go to lutheransforlife.org to learn more about them. Very appreciative he could join me. Let's roll. Well, thanks so much to Pastor Salamink of Lutherans for Life for joining me today. Uh, we are going to be looking at the question of marriage, so let's just jump right in. So, um, Pastor Salamink, first of all, uh, people can learn more by going to, to lutheransforlife.org. I want to put that out right up front. There's lots mm-hmm. of, I mean, just tons of great resources on this and many, many other topics. So I want to put that out, and we want to thank you for your, your service as Executive Director of Lutherans for Life. Of now, course. Marriage. Uh, you know, a lot of times when people hear about a for-life organization, a pro-life organization like Lutherans for Life, you know, abortion is sort of the only topic that comes up, and we're going to record a whole video on that. But you know, there are other foundational issues that are very, very important as well, that uh, if we abided by as a society, something like abortion would be a lot you know, less common uh, in a perfect world, unthinkable. Um, so let's just try to figure out what marriage is. How do we know what marriage is and why is it worth defending? But let's just start out with a very basic question. What is marriage? Marriage is a gift of God. Uh, Marriage is a blessing that comes from our Creator and the Lord of the universe. For us as Christians, uh, it's part of the foundational uh, history of God's relationship with humankind. Already in the scriptures, in the very first chapter of Genesis, uh, God says, let us make man in our image, makes us male and female, and then says, be fruitful and multiply. This very second chapter spends an extended amount of time talking about how God has brought man and woman together uh, for the purposes of marriage as he sees it, for uh, the unity of husband and wife, for the delight that man and woman find in one another, for support and community, and then, of course, for procreation and family. So for us as Christians, these are all good things. It goes back to reflecting that image of God. When God says, let us make man in our image, let us Mm -hmm. make them male and female, He has created us for relationships, to be bound together as people in fellowship and community. And the foundation of that is the relationship between husband and wife. So marriage and sexuality and procreation and family, all of these things belong together. And it is a cause for rejoicing for us. So as far as we are concerned, as as God lays this out, um, marriage is that lifelong relationship of husband giving himself to wife, wife giving herself to husband in body, mind, spirit, uh, and in everything that they do, um, and then serving one another, not just with their bodies, but their entire lives. The be- one of the benefits of that is um, as husband and wife give themselves to each other, then uh, God in his wisdom, and when he sees fit, blesses that self-giving with the creation of a new life. And in this way, we get to reflect, embody, and participate in God's power, His life as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and His creating activity in relating to humankind. Mm. You touched on something I, I want to dig in on a little bit, or at least just highlight, which is that you said it, it's the image of God. I think when people talk about the image of God, 
they think of it as maybe there's some like divine spark within them, or in fact, it's really theologians actually disagree about what the image of God means. Maybe it's that we have personality or moral agency or something like that. But you're 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 really connecting it to both male and female. That like an understanding of being made in God's image is like there is this this male and female dimension to that. Would would you just speak a little more to that? I think so, absolutely, and and I'll agree with you 100%. For centuries, theologians have probed the mysteries of God and tried to define in one way or the other, what is this image of God? I don't know that I can give a, uh, that we can give a comprehensive, exhaustive answer to that, but this is what I do know. Genesis chapter one, the Lord says very clearly, let us make man in our image, and then says, male and female, he created them. So whatever the image of God is, it's the image of a relationship of more than one person sharing in one being, right? I see that reflected in male and female coming together as family and community. Uh, that the way that Father, Son, and Holy Spirit exist in community with one another, that's one of the ways in which we reflect and embody God's image. And of course, that that life of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit brings God great joy, and he, uh, he extends that to us so that we may participate in that joy. It is, it is an invitation, it is a blessing, and it helps us to understand that it's not that male or female by themselves reflects God, God's image more one more than the other, but in our coming together as a corporate, as, as a body, and ultimately um, as the body of Christ, the people of God, the household of heaven, that's where we see the fullness of God's image reflected in humankind come together. That's really important, and I'm so glad that that you've said that because, and I hope people really hear it because, you know, what what has really happened in the last I don't know thirty years, fifty years is that marriage is seen as a, a social construct. It's 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 something. Uh, that people might participate in if they want to. Well, of course, that that's the case. I mean, it's voluntary, uh, but um, it it but we could redefine it. You know, in, in other words, it may not be between a male and a female. It could be between more than two people or persons. It could be between people of other genders and so on and so forth. And so, um, when we root it in really the nature of God in that way, in the nature of reality, I would argue, in the nature of nature itself. <laughs> You know, it, it becomes harder and harder to um, avoid. Um, but I also want to highlight that you you indicated that it's good and that it's a gift. One of the things, even in Christian circles, that irks me, uh, and I, I'm a little guilty of this too, and my, my wife and I will sort of tease each other, but it's often talked about in negative terms. You know, um, we kind of joke about how, you know, the, the only thing the man ever says is, yes, dear, you know, uh, and sort of you always have the nagging wife and the, the browbeaten husband, you know. And so we have to be careful, I think, in thinking about that, you know, um, maybe maybe talk about a few of the joys um, of marriage. Sure. I mean, uh, first and foremost among that is uh, reflection and participation in the life of God, like we said, the image of God. Um, even as that image is brought to its full revelation in the person of our Savior, Jesus Christ, who himself did not take an earthly spouse um, specifically to show that um, marriage is, a, is an illustration and, and kind of a, an icon of 
God's relationship with his people, which is that ultimate perfect relationship with all of the the rights and privileges that pertain unto it, right? Everything that belongs to God, he bequeaths, uh, he betroths to his bride, his people. All that God is, he holds nothing back. So one of the, one of the very great blessings of marriage is that mutual self-giving and service, um, that I live no longer only for myself, but that I live my, my life makes a difference for somebody else. And I think this is a fundamental distinction between our culture's understanding, not just of marriage, but of relationship and love um, and the way that Christians understand it. And I think uh, the gospel, Jesus Christ has, of course, a much more robust understanding of love as selflessness, as sacrifice, as, as giving and receiving rather than what I feel or my happiness or what I want even what is best for my beloved? So that is that is one of the great privileges is that, um, you know, when one is weak, the other is strong. We suffer together. We rejoice together. We share all of these good things, and they are that much more enriched because we do them together. Of course, a, a, another benefit of marriage is the the unconditional acceptance, right? That's sort of built into our marriage vows, you know, for better, for worse, et cetera. Uh, but that, that embodies and kind of um, mediates God's relationship with humankind, a relationship of unconditional grace. Um, if I ever needed a reminder of how much God loves me, I don't reach my arms up to the heavens and say, God, give me a hug. You know, I go and find my wife or I go and find my children or my family because they are the way in which I experience that unconditional acceptance. And so um, that lifelong aspect of marriage uh, is one that we emphasize very much, not because uh, not because we want to place unnecessary restrictions on people or ruin people's fun, but really because this is the way to maximize human flourishing and bring us to the purpose for which we were created. Then a second blessing, of course, is family, is, is procreation, um, the, the growth of our circle of fellowship and marriage brings people together procreation childbearing brings people together it's one of these ways in which we form these social networks that ultimately for christians gives us a foretaste of the day when christ jesus in the resurrection will bring all of this to its completion and we will enjoy all enjoy that full unity with each other and with god which i don't know about you but it's something i very much look forward to absolutely absolutely um I want to throw out one word. It's, uh, I guess, considered, con everything is controversial these days, but it's a little, it's considered somewhat controversial. There, there are these egalitarian versus complementarian debates. I, not, doesn't go on a lot within the Lutheran church, really, but certainly in evangelicalism at large, it's raging. Um, I, I, it's just really the word complementary. I think it's uh, an important word for people to understand um, because one of the things that you and I would not say about marriage is that it is always easy, um, <laughs> that we that it's deeply fulfilling and and joyful, um, and you know we both consider ourselves very lucky, you know, l lucky to have the blessed uh, to have the spouses that we do, uh, but we are different, uh, and sometimes those differences uh, bring about conflicts and and difficulties and disagreements, and so where does the idea of being a complement to one another fit into to that? I think we have to start with uh, 
the the recognition, the acknowledgement that I I think most sensible human beings, whether they're Christian or not, um, have a sense of, and that is that I in and of myself am insufficient in some way. I'm going to come up short, either in providing the kind of life that I want for myself or in being able to share that kind of life with someone else. The recognition that I need somebody, right? Uh, step one of any 12-step program, uh, admitting that you have a problem, that I, I need someone else's help in this. Um, that's where that begins. Uh, I think asking the question of... of <laughs> Who's more important, the husband or the wife? Who's who's more in charge? Who matters more? That's not a Christian question. That's a question born out of pride. And I will even take, you know, what you said about uh, difficulty, sacrifice, suffering within marriage. I'll take that a step further. Marriage means you have to die, in a sense. The, the pride that you have in yourself, the demanding of my rights, that dies. The, the person that you were on your own uh, dies and is planted like a seed into this marriage relationship. And, and what rises again then is this new identity as us, right? That all that matters is uh, the relationship, the family, that, that I want what's best for these other people. Um, and we enjoy all things together. So, yeah, it's true. Um, marriage causes you to be put to death to yourself. There's no room for pride, uh, for bragging, for insisting on my way or the highway, um, because clearing all of that away makes space for uh, this, this beautiful union of more than one person. Yeah. And and I think if we if we search not only the scriptures, but if we really reflect upon ourselves, uh, we can know that uh, there's something about that that feels right, that feels like that's part of why I exist. Right. Not just for me, myself to be an independent will, but so that I can um, give and take with the people around me. That's where that complementariness comes in. And as that the complementary nature of, of male and female and, and God has created us uh, to be equally valuable, but not identical or interchangeable, that's part of the beauty of it is um, how, how frustrated would I be if I had to live only with myself or with a copy or a clone of myself? Um, that's exactly what I don't want. Yeah. I want somebody else. Um, and and having someone who comes along that zigs where I zag uh, is what gives a wonder to marriage. And I think what gives beauty and magnificence to all human relationships and marriage relationships are just kind of the tip of the iceberg for that. We're not going to cover every topic like, for example, uh, I think you and I would both agree that there there can be a giftedness in, in a singleness. Uh, likewise, not all people have children. It's a great heartbreak uh, that people cannot have a family. There are many gifts of adoption, and we may talk about that in our next video a little bit. Um, so we just kind of as a placeholder, we want to say that we understand that, you know, not every human being, not every Christian will, will, will get married and, you know, you know, and, and, and have two and a half kids and, and the whole deal. <laughs> Uh, and they can they can and are a blessing to the church and and to the world. 
integral parts, members of the body of Christ, which ultimately is what all of this moves toward from Genesis toward Revelation, the ultimate fulfillment of God's gift of relationship and community in humankind is not marriage. Marriage is an important signpost along the way, but our ultimate fulfillment is our relationship with God. And as that extends out to the body of Christ as the family of God, that we are all brothers and sisters, um, that one day in the resurrection and the new creation will experience the same kind of fullness as husbands, wives, and children do in their family relationships. So we all look towards that and begin to practice that even on earth. That extends, uh, it doesn't matter what your vocation is, married, single, divorced, widowed, um, you have an integral part in the body of Christ as the family of God. You know, a lot of young people who might be watching this, they, they're, they're, they're being brought up in a time in which they say, well, I'll get married when I'm 36 years old and I've got 10, 15 years into my career. I've got my PhD or my master's or my degree out of the way. I'm not ready to be married until then. I want to have seen the world. You know, I want to have a BMW. Uh, you know, I want to have a three-bedroom house. And then when I have all of that, I'll get married. Now, of course, we know that marriage rates uh, were, you know, the, the age at which people got married, say, 100 years ago was much lower, closer to your teenage years. In fact, I think in the 50s and 60s, the average marriage age was was far closer to 20 than 30. It's almost like we're embarrassed because we've imbibed what the culture has said about it. You know, it's okay to wait until you're whatever. And if, you know, people get married when they're 40, if that's things work out, there's no judgment here. But on the other hand, I think it's, you know, there's been such a backlash against um, this kind of um, young marriage culture. I wonder if we, you know, you would have any words of wisdom, you know, in, in terms of what you, is there wisdom in getting married young still or, is the way the culture talks about it the right way? We'll say this. Uh, I don't think you're ever ready to get married in the same way that you're never ready to have children, which is to say that you're always ready. Um, I'm always as ready as I'm ever going to be. Um, I think there is some contemplation uh, about the role of God's plan for our lives rather than just what we want, what we think is best. Um, asking the question of, what would what would God desire for me? What what signs has He given me of of what He is wanting to do in my life? Um, there's some practical matters to keep in mind. Um, the, we do have a, a hard limit on our childbearing years, um, and and you can sort of see in the in the biology of human beings, there's there's a window of time when uh, my body's capable of procreation and when I, I feel like I'm in the prime of my energy and I can carry out all the tasks necessary for maintaining a family and a household. And then there's, there's sort of a twilight of life when those things uh, begin to fall off. Um, and we need to understand that, that God has designed it that way and to take advantage of all of those years. But I think my final observation would just be this. Um, with, with every year, with every day of your life, you are investing yourself in something. Um, and the more that you invest in something, the less you have of yourself to invest in other things. And so the question becomes, in, in the hierarchy of priorities, in, in what is good for me and good for the people around me, where does marriage and family fit in terms of, you know, career, vocation, possessions, um, service to community, all those sorts of things. Um, let us make sure that we have enough of ourselves to invest in marriage before we have given ourselves away 
to all of these other things, because I will tell you, nobody ever gets to be 80 years old and says, man, I wish I'd have gotten married later in life. I wish I'd have had fewer children. I don't think anybody says that, but people do say, man, maybe I spent too much time on, on career and trying to accumulate things. Yeah. Um, you're never going to have enough money for marriage. That's why God promises to open his checkbook uh, to take care of what you need. You're never going to have uh, the, the right maturity level um, because you're going to need to grow through marriage and, and children as well. So that would be my encouragement is, um, yeah, start thinking about what is God's plan for my life and where does that fit into my adulthood? And, and is there a way um, that that can be a high priority for me? Yeah. A friend of mine, uh, and we'll close on this. He said uh, he 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 found out his wife was pregnant, sort of unexpectedly, and his grandmother had a saying, and it's in Spanish, and I don't know exactly what it was, <laughs> but it was something to the extent of, "Don't worry, with a child comes uh, a knapsack of money, like yeah. a, like, a, like a, a briefcase of money under your arm," and um and you know, turn that that it's very true, and so I think that's something we like to say. Well, when it's when the time is right. And I think what you see in the scriptures over and over again, and it would apply to marriage too, is like, just start and God That's will right. provide. You know, <laughs> have the children, get married, God will take care of it. And if you seek, you know, seek these things first uh, and seek righteousness first, then then you'll have all that you need. So, well, uh, Pastor Salamink, I want to thank you so much uh, for joining us for this conversation. It's been a privilege even just to talk about uh, the wonderful things of God. Good deal. Well, thanks again to Pastor Salamink of Lutherans for Life for joining us. Uh, Very enlightening, as always. I definitely encourage you to check out lutheransforlife.org. You can email me at christianbasicsclass at gmail.com. Go to flhouston.org to get the worksheets for all of these classes. If you're doing this uh, as a confirmation study or if you just want to test yourself and see what you remembered. Uh, Subscribe, of course, to this channel wherever it may be found. That's always helpful. And until next time. Take care.